little man's wanting to preach the sermon with me. <laughs> oh, praise God. Good morning, AYC. Such a privilege to be here with y'all. Y'all don't even know. Um, just want to say before I say anything else, if there's anyone here who doesn't have a Bible, um, please raise your hand, and we'll make sure that we get one to you. Just raise, okay, one over here. Anyone else? One back here, brother. Yeah, we want to make sure that you have a Bible, because here at ARC, we make sure that we dig into the Word. <laughs> um, so listen, before we stand and read God's Word, again, I just want to say such a blessing to be with y'all. Um, there's faces that are familiar, and I see people who I haven't seen in a few years, and, you know, I'm, I'm moved to tears. Um, my heart is racing, in a sense, just because of how happy and excited I am. And I also see people that I haven't seen before, and I'm looking forward to being able to talk to some of you after service, um, especially those who are here for the first time. But I just want to let you know that I love this church and I love y'all. And um, the pastors here are pastors who I trust, I admire. Um, for Beatty, I see him as a spiritual father. And my wife sees Sister Christy as a spiritual mother. I mean, they have impacted our lives tremendously. Um, when it comes to pastoral ministry, I don't know of anyone who has impacted my life more than Pastor Fabidi. And I just want to let you know that you guys have shepherds that really care for the flock, who really love Jesus, and really love people, and love this community. So it's an honor and a privilege to be here this morning to preach God's word. And uh, just with that being said, could we stand, and could we open up to Psalm 30? If we could stand in reverence, for God's word, let's open up to Psalm 30, and if you got your Bibles, it's wonderful. If you want to turn on your phone and look, that's good too, um, but let's read Psalm 30. Okay, and God's word reads, and I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from shield. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for a night, but joy comes with the morning. <laughs> As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand. You hid your face and I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? 
Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, my helper, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. Uh, please be seated. And let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the sweet privilege to be able to preach your word this morning. Lord, I want to pray for these precious believers that have been purchased by the bloodshed of Christ. And I want to ask God that you would speak to them in very profound ways and maybe even prophetic ways, Father. Um, I ask God that you would uh, stir the affections of our hearts to love Christ more. Um, I pray, God, that you would stir in us a greater humility and that you would also help us to cast off pride. Uh, Father, as we work through this text, God, I pray that you would grow us in intimacy with you, but that you would also grow a deeper desire for us to go to you in prayer. Oh, God, we want to go deeper in our prayer life. We want to have a sincere praying life. And we ask, God, that you would work in our hearts this morning and pour out grace upon us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And for those who here are here, Father, um, visiting for the first time, I pray that you would, um, with us, allow them to have an encounter with you. Uh, we want to encounter you through your word. Uh, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would continue to saturate this place from ceiling to floor and wall to wall with your presence. Have your way, O oh God. And for those who are here who may not know you, would you draw them to yourself? Uh, would you raise them from the dead spiritually? Would you rip the blinders off of their eyes and help them to see the glory of God revealed in the face of Jesus Christ? And I pray for all of us, God, that you would fill us with hope. So Father, have your way. Move in our hearts, move in our lives. Bring repentance where we need to repent. Bring encouragement where we need to be encouraged. Lift us. Heal us where we're wounded. And bring restoration. I pray all these things in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, it's easy to trust God when everything is going well, right? But sometimes it's hard to trust God in times of grief and sorrow. And it's easy to praise God when everything in life is seemingly good, but it's hard to praise God when things are seemingly bad. But brothers and sisters, if we only praise him when life is seemingly good, what does that say about our God, who is always good, no matter the circumstance or situation? He's a God who is always good. There's a gospel song 
by William Murphy and Shekinah Glory called Praise Is What I Do. And God used it early in my Christian life to teach me how to praise him in hard circumstances and trying situations. And some of you may know the song. The song goes like this. I vow to praise you through the good and the bad. I'll praise you whether happy or sad. I'll praise you in all that I go through <laughs> because praise is what I do because I owe it all to you. That's right. William Murphy is a second. <laughs> I can't go that far, y'all. <laughs> uh, but this song, I mean, the Lord used that song to get me through a lot of stuff, y'all. And could you bring my water up when I get a chance, honey? Or when you get a chance. Um, yeah, the Lord used this, this song in my life in powerful ways. And William Murphy and Shekinah Glory is in good company because the psalmist says something similar in Psalm 34.1. Thank you, Judah. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continuously be in my mouth. <laughs> I love that. Because God is always good, we ought to praise him in any and every circumstance. But not in a superficial, uninformed way. But because we know his love and his goodness and his mercy. We know his kindness and we know his compassion. We know his faithfulness. We know who he is. In Psalm 30, we see a lot of praising from the psalmist. But underneath all of the praising, there has been the experience of pain. In this psalm, we see a praising life, but at the same time, we also see a praying life. We see the psalmist praising God, but we also see the psalmist on his knees praying to God. And praying in a state of brokenness. He's calling out. He's crying out to God. This morning, as we dive into this psalm, we will see this. Brothers and sisters, that we ought to praise and pray through the good and bad times of life. Because God is always faithful. God is always faithful. He's always good. This is who our God is. And as we work through this text, there's four things that I want us to see. Number one, I want us to see David's praise, verses one through five. Number two, I want us to see David's pride, verses six and seven. Number three, I want us to see David's prayer. And we're going to camp out there looking at David's prayer. Verses 8 through 10. And number four, I want us to see David's proclamation. Verses 11 and 12. The title of my message this morning is Praying and Praising Through Pain. Praying and Praising Through Pain. Many scholars are divided on when and where this psalm was written, but it's my understanding that this psalm was written when. David was in the temple in the sacred place of worship. This psalm makes it clear that David was in the battle for his life. 
And as someone who had been through the fight, we see the first thing that comes out of David's mouth for the temple, and we see that in verse 1. He says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. Brothers and sisters, extol means to praise enthusiastically. (laughs) Um, It means to have some movement, some shout in your praise. And David was praising God because he had lifted him and rescued him from his enemies. David had lots of enemies. David had enemies on the outside of his family. And David even had enemies that were within his family. He had even his son who was trying to get at him. I mean, David had all kind of things going on. He had relational tension. And I know that there's individuals, I'm sure, in this room who may have relational tension with people in your family. Maybe a father with a son. Maybe a daughter with a mother. But I want to let you know here, we see with this relational tension, David responds and the remedy to his tension is prayer. He responds by praying. And we're going to see that later on in the text, that David prays with all that he's going through. The remedy for what he was going through, he sees is prayer. So David had all kinds of things going on. And he was in hard times. And as he responded in prayer, I want to encourage you to respond in prayer as well. Because we need to run to God with our problems, with our hard circumstances. When we're going through trials, we need to run to him because he's the only one who's able to come through on our behalf. So David was going through hard times. But in this verse, David says that the Lord rescued him and did not let his enemies triumph over him. I love that. In other words, God delivered David. And we see this in the text. The enemy was coming in for the kill, but God snatched him out of the jaws of his opponents and lifted him out of danger. He did not allow his enemies to get the upper hand on him. But we see in this text that David wasn't just battling enemies, he was also battling sickness. But the same God who lifted him out of harm's way, the same God who lifted him out of the jaws of his enemies is the same God he said healed him from sickness when he cried out to the Lord in prayer. We see this in verse 2. Oh Lord, my God. And notice how personal it is. He says, oh Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you healed me. Verse 3, oh Lord, again, look how personal it is. You have brought up my soul from shield. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. David was writing as a man who had just had a near-death experience. With his life-threatening illness, his enemies would have rejoiced over his suffering, and he would have been an easy target for them to kill and destroy. But in the midst of his life-threatening situation, David cried out to God for help. And the text says that the Lord healed him. 
And David goes on to say in verse 3, the Lord delivered his soul from Sheol. The new Living Translation says it this way. You brought me up from the grave, O Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. The Old Testament points out that Sheol was most commonly described as the house of death or a place where all the dead would go. Brothers and sisters, David is saying here in verse 3, that death was knocking on his door. He had one foot out of the grave and one foot in the grave. And he points out that God was merciful to him. God showed up. God delivered David from death and he restored his life. This is the God that we serve. David was drawn up from the pit and therefore he sung praises to the Lord. He sung to his Redeemer. He sung to his master. He sung to his savior. He sung to his deliverer. Brothers and sisters, you may or may not have had a near-death illness or situation like this, but I want you to think of the most tragic situation you have experienced thus far. And I want you to be reminded of how God rescued you. The text says that he's a lifter. You know that there's some situations that you were in that you could not get yourself out of. You know that if God did not come through, you would have perished. There's some situations that if he didn't lift you out of that situation, you would have been done for. But we see here that God is a lifter. He lifts us out of situations that we can't get ourselves out of. And I love that God reaches down into our mess. And as uh, one pastor says, a friend of mine, he doesn't put on latex gloves in order to get his hands dirty. And he pulls us out of our mess because he is a lifter. Our Lord is a lifter. But the text also points out that he is a healer as well. Um, you know that there's sicknesses that you've been healed from. Um, things that, that uh, could have taken your life, but it didn't. Um, I know individuals and, and friends of mine who've actually even been healed from cancer. I know we're praying for some individuals who have cancer now. I know individuals who's been healed from cancer um, through, through chemo and um, through going through doctor's visits and prayer. Praying saints who prayed with tears coming out of their eyes broken before the Lord that God would bring healing. And I know people who are cancer-free now. I know people who I just, a person who I just met uh, two weeks ago, a woman who testified how she's cancer-free now. So God does heal in that way, and he can. But at the same time, I want to point out that sometimes God chooses to heal in another way. Another friend of mine, Lee Williams, who was hit with cancer in his body, stage four liver cancer. When he was hit with cancer, he was going to the doctors and he just continued to decline. But it was that very thing that made Lee examine his life in light of eternity. And it was when I, uh, through, in that time, it's when we started meeting together and having conversations and talking about the Lord. Um, and eventually Lee surrendered his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I remember saying to Lee, 
that Lee, God can heal you in this life. But if he does not heal you in this life, you will eventually be healed. 100%. For those who are in Christ Jesus, when we see the Lord, we will be healed 100%. So God can heal you now. And if he doesn't heal you now, he will heal you later for those who are in Christ Jesus because he's a healer. But he doesn't just heal us physically. We know that he also has healed some of us mentally, right? We know that he has also healed us spiritually, right? God has taken out hearts of stone and given hearts of flesh and put his spirit within us and caused us to walk in his statue. He really is a healer. And Jesus Christ came to heal us of the greatest sickness of all, the sin sickness that only he's able to take away. So yes, our God is a healer. Yes, he's a lifter, but the text also makes it very clear that he is also a restorer. He restores us. How many of us can testify that there's times that we were straying, but God pulled us back and God restored us and brought us back? Maybe this morning, you may even be strained and you need to be restored. I want to let you know that God is a restored. He's able to restore you. As a matter of fact, Psalm 23, 3 says he restores my soul. That's what he does. He's a restorer. So we see in verse 1 that God is a lifter. In verse 2, that God is a healer. And in verse 3, that God is a restorer. This is who our God is. But notice, after David offers his own praises to the Lord, he then exhorts the congregation to praise God with him because of God's faithfulness to lift up, heal, and, rest and restore. He exhorts them to do this, verse 4. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. It says, it's as if David is saying, yeah, it's one thing for me to praise him, but it's a whole nother thing for you to hear my testimony and praise him with me. And that's how it should be, saints. When we hear the testimony of others, it should cause us to want to praise God with them, to want to praise Jesus corporately, to want to praise Jesus as a congregation. And that's what's going on here. David is like, let me share this testimony with you. But as I praise God, join in and praising him with me. Sing praises to the Lord. Oh, you his saints and give thanks to his holy name. David called the people of God to join him in thanksgiving to God. And in verse 5, he gives the reason why. In verse 5, he says, For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. When David said his anger is for a moment, he's pointing out that he believes he was experiencing the discipline of God because of his sin. So he said his anger is for a moment, but he goes on to say his favor is for a lifetime. Because I'm God's, because I'm his, I'm going to experience favor for a lifetime, even though I'm experiencing chastisement right now. And I want to point out that not all suffering is a result of sin. But I also want to make it clear that sometimes when we sin, 
it does bring, bring upon us, it does bring upon us sickness and suffering. So not all suffering is a result of sin, but when we do sin, sometimes it does bring upon us suffering and sickness, and this is what is going on here. David is experiencing the anger which he perceives, the anger of God, the chastisement of God because of his sin. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on to say that that's for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. That this God who chastises us, he does it for our good. And on top of that, he's a God who is compassionate and merciful as well. That's why he goes on to say, weeping may tarry for a night, but joy comes in the morning. But that weeping in the night, brothers and sisters, isn't those nights sometimes really long? A lot of times we wish that we could go to sleep and wake up in the morning and all that suffering or whatever trial we're going through is gone. But a lot of times it doesn't work like that. A lot of times that night is real long. He goes on to say, weeping may tarry for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And don't miss this. There's a great reversal here. David's dire situation has been reversed. Listen to this, brothers and sisters. God's favor replaced God's anger. There is joy now instead of mourning. In verses 1 through 3, we see a healed body with a restored life instead of a sick body with a deteriorated life. Weeping may tarry for a night, but joy comes with the morning. But sometimes that night is real long. And may, maybe some of you are in a, a long night right now. A trial, suffering, pain. I want to let you know that for those who are God's children, joy is coming. It's a fact. It's a promise. Joy is coming, beloved. And here's a promise that awaits all of God's children. Revelation 21.4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Listen to this. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. There's coming a day when cancer will cease. There's coming a day where, when high blood pressure and diabetes will cease. There's coming a day when, when there will be no more sin. You won't have to worry about sinning against others and other people sinning against you. There's coming a day when all of that is going to cease. There's coming a day when the tears that flood your eyes from burying that loved one, you won't feel that pain anymore. That's good news. Absolutely. So joy is coming, beloved. And a joy is coming that will not be interrupted on top of that. In verses 1 through 5, we see that David was afflicted. But in the next few verses we see why he was afflicted. In verses 1 through 5, we see David's praise. And in the next two verses, we see David's pride. Look at the text with me in verse 6. It says, as for me, I said in my prosperity, 
I shall never be moved. He goes on to say, by your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. Going back to verse 6, the NIV says it this way. When I felt secure, I said, I shall never be shaken. The New Living Translation says it this way. When I was prosperous, I said, nothing can stop me now. How did David get here? I mean, this was the individual that was totally dependent upon God. I remember when he went against that uncircumcised Philistine, right? And he went out there with a few stones. He didn't even want the armor, no sword, no nothing. Why? Because he was trusting in his God. He wasn't trusting in himself. But here it is now, after some victories, after some prosperity, David is now filled with pride. And he's now saying things out of his mouth like this. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. So David is pointing out that it was prosperity that brought him to a place of pride. He didn't handle the prosperity well. And brothers and sisters, we have to be careful that when God starts prospering us, we don't fall into a place of pride because none of us in this room are immune to pride. Nobody's immune to pride. David, who was a man after God's own heart, was not immune to pride. And you and I are not either. David says, and and the New Living Translation says it this way in verse 8, he says, Your favor, O Lord, made me as secure as a mountain Listen to this. Then you turned away from me, and I was shattered. He says, you turned away from me, and I was shattered. And I want to make it very clear that he's painting this picture here. The Lord did not leave David. But I want you to know that when we're in places at times where we feel like we don't sense God's presence, that feeling is always redemptive. And what I mean by that is when we're in that place where we're like, God, I don't feel you. I don't know what's going on. That's supposed to make you and I run to Jesus. That's supposed to make you and I fall on our knees. That is supposed to make you and I seek his face. And this is what we see happen here in the text. We see David's praise. We see David's pride. But that Pride drives him to prayer because he recognizes that he has to humble himself. We see in verses 8 through 10, David's prayer. He says in verse 8, To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead, listen to this, for mercy. I'm not just asking for mercy, God, but I'm pleading for mercy. I need you to come through. Verse 9, what profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, be merciful to me, O Lord, my helper. He's crying out to God because he knows he needs God to intervene. And we're going to camp out here as we look at David's prayer and dive a little deeper. 
Brothers and sisters, take a moment to reflect upon your prayer life and think about the seasons of life that you find yourself praying the most. If I'm honest, the seasons that I find myself praying the most are during seasons of sorrow and pain. Sorrow and pain has a way of bringing us to our knees before the Lord. And sometimes this is the only way God can get our attention. Charles Spurgeon said that there is no university for a Christian like that of sorrow and trial. And this pain in David's life has driven him to pray. Listen, brothers and sisters, David had to be humbled before he could be helped. Because there's times in our lives when we think that we can get ourselves out of the situation, we think we can solve the problem, and we start dependent on self, and that's never going to change anything. But here it is, David had to be humbled before he could be helped. He had to see his need for God. He had to see that he needed God to intervene and show up in his situation. And because prideful people don't pray, David knew that a humble act before the Lord would be to pray. And he prays. Prideful people don't pray, but humble people do. And God was working in his heart a greater humility, and he ends up casting himself upon the Lord. And David ends up praying. As we take another look at these verses, 8 and 10, I'm sorry, 8 through 10, there's three things that we can learn from David's prayer that will encourage and equip us to pray, especially in difficult and hard seasons in our lives. And I want you to really pay attention to this. If you want to take notes, please do. This would be the time to do so more than ever since we're focusing on prayer. The first thing that we learn about David's prayer is that he appeals to God for mercy. We see that in verses 8 and 10. He pleads to God for mercy. And then he also says in verse 10, God, be merciful to me. So we see that David appeals to God for his mercy. Brothers and sisters, and although, although David had sinned greatly, he knew that God's mercy was greater. As he appealed to God's mercy, it's possible that he could have had Exodus 34, 6 and 7 in mind, where it talks about how the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounded in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression and sin. When David had sinned, he appealed to God's mercy because he understood what the author of the bruised reed wrote to be true, which is this. There is more mercy in Christ than sin in us. There is more mercy in Christ than sin in us. Beloved, if you have sinned greatly, appeal to God's mercy, which is greater. 
And as New Testament believers, never forget that we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Listen to this. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive, hear it now, mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Hebrews 4, 14 and 15. So in verses 8 and 10, we see David appeals to God for mercy. And the second thing that we see in this section is, number two, that he gives his reasoning. Or we can say that he makes a case. <laughs> um, he says, what profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? ARC, notice that David's reasoning is shaped by his desire to do God's will. And it's shaped by his desire to bring him glory. It's God's will that men and women praise him and proclaim his mighty works. David is not just asking to be healed, but he was mainly asking to be healed for God's glory. So he could praise him and proclaim his goodness and faithfulness. ARC, when we pray for God's purposes and plans to be done, he will certainly answer. And he will answer according to his will. So we see that David appeals to God for his mercy. We see that he makes a case, right? But we also see that he does this with humility. We see that in verse 10. Hear, O Lord, be merciful to me, O Lord, my helper. David knew he needed the Lord to hear his prayer and to help him because he was in a situation that he could not help himself out of. He knew that he was helpless and unable to do anything apart from God's mercy and intervention. So he cried out to God for help. He did exactly what we see uh, in, in the book of Peter, where it talks about humbling ourselves before the Lord, humbling ourselves before his mighty hand, so that at the proper time he will exalt us and restore us. David humbled himself, and God intervened. So we see that now it's testimony time, because here it is, God healed David in response to David's prayer, and we see now David's proclamation in verses 11 and 12. He says, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my salt cloth, and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O oh Lord, my God, I give you thanks, and I will praise you forever. He's like, because of the ways that you have intervened on my behalf and healed me and lifted me and restored me, God, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to praise you forever, not just now, not just next week, not just next month, not just next year, but for all eternity. Why? Because I'm yours. And you hear me when I cry. God is always waiting to respond to us, but he's waiting for us to come. 
We must come to him in prayer. And he'll do far more abundantly than anything we can ask or think. But a lot of times we have not because we don't go to him in prayer. David prayed. And the Lord flipped his entire situation. Here's a man who was dying. And the Lord lifted him up. Now he's proclaiming the goodness of God through his lips. And he says, I will not be silent, verse 12. So brothers and sisters, don't be silent when God moves on your behalf. When you pray and God answers, don't be silent. As we're seeking together to grow in our prayer life, when God answers, let's not be silent, but let's tell of the works that God has done and let's declare his goodness and tell everyone what God has done in response to prayer. Brothers and sisters, don't be silent. Tell everyone about our Savior who has saved you, who has transformed you, who has redeemed you, who has delivered you, who has lifted you, who has healed you, who has comforted you, and so much more. Brothers and sisters, don't be silent about all that God has done in your life. If there is warm blood in your veins, and if there is breath in your lungs, it's given to you to praise God and to tell of his goodness and faithfulness in your life. <laughs> praise him. And pray. In closing, Brothers and sisters, never forget that God is with us in the highs and the lows of life. And when he feels far away, be assured that he is a lot closer than you think. So don't fail to pray when you feel like God is silent or like he has abandoned you because your feelings don't determine God's faithfulness. Pray because God is merciful. Pray according to his will. And brothers and sisters, pray with humility. And listen to this. The sorrows of life will surely come. But brothers and sisters, the sorrows of this life will surely cease for all of God's children when we get to heaven. Again, Charles Spurgeon said, the joys of heaven will surely compensate for the sorrows of earth. So brothers and sisters, praise him through the good and the bad. Praise him, <laughs> whether happy or sad. Praise him in all that you go through. Because praise is what we do. Because Jesus Christ died for me and you. Remix. Pray through the good and the bad. Pray whether happy or sad. Pray in all that you go through. Because prayer is how we will make it through. And I want to let you know that there is an ocean of grace at God's throne waiting to be poured out on you. Let's pray. Hallelujah.
Let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are individuals who are deeply desiring to grow in our prayer life. Father, we know that you must work by your grace and power. Father, as we go through these different teachings, whether it's praying through pain or prayer and meditation or prayer and missions or other topics, I pray that you would just continue to grow us in our prayer life. Uh, Father, as we're informed by your word, would you give us the grace to respond? It's not enough, God, just to hear information, but we need to respond to these truths. Oh, Father, I pray, God, that even after this sermon, we will pray. Uh, for some of us, Father, maybe we need to pray uh, to cast off pride. Maybe you need to work a greater humility in our hearts um, so that we are dependent upon you and not dependent upon self. And as I heard prayed this morning, for those who are doing well in you, oh, Father, keep us humble so that we don't fall into pride. Oh, Father, I pray that we wouldn't just pray in times of need and sorrow, but we'll pray, Father, when we're not in trials or tribulation as well, just because we want to be with you, because we want to spend time in your presence, because we see our need for you every day and every hour. So, oh, God, move in our lives and move in our hearts. And, Father, I pray for those who need to be restored, that you would restore them this morning. I pray for those who need to be lifted up out of a situation, that you would lift them up out of that situation, oh, God. I pray for those who need healing, God, that you would heal their bodies, that you would heal minds. And I pray, God, mainly that you would heal hearts of those who may not know you here in this room. You are a healer. And I pray, God, that you would heal. So, Father, may your favor continue to be upon ARC as they continue to go through this series of praying life. And, oh, God, grow all of us in our prayer life. And to you be all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. In Jesus' mighty, miraculous, matchless name, amen.